Hey everyone, and welcome back to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. And this is episode 26. 26. So we have a lot to get into today, so I'm not even going to come up with some witty intro <laughs> stupid thing. I'm you just going to go right into it. You mean you have been? Oh. Oh, well, burn, at least sick burn, bro. <laughs> at least they were stupid, I guess. <laughs> they weren't necessarily witty. But I'm kidding. I liked your intros, and I'm very sad to not have one. Well, we just impromptu to had an intro because uh, we didn't have one originally and now we do <laughs> so the first thing i want to talk about this week is that uh, we knew it was coming this year because they'd kind of hinted at it and they didn't do one last year but ea has officially announced a new need for speed game hold your applause everyone yeah it's called need for speed payback and it looks straight out of the fast and the furious why did they just call <laughs> it why don't they just get a movie tie in and just say need for speed fast and the furious yeah and then just make an, a fast and the furious game with the Need for Speed guys. Because that's literally what this is, except without the name, I guess, without the movie tie-in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it 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 looks okay. I mean, the trailer looks fine. It's it's another story-based Need for Speed because Need for Speed goes through a lot of different variations. Like, there's story-based ones where they try to tell, like, you know, like, uh, there's a narrative there. And then there will be certain ones that are simulation. So those are trying to be, like, Gran Turismo. Yeah. And then you've got other ones that are just, like, the street racing customizi- customizable, like, like the street racing underground culture ones where it's kind of free roam and whatever. Well, this game is apparently free roam and it just looks like they took need for speed, the last need for speed story and just built it into a, or the last uh, fast and the furious movie and built it into a need for speed story. Right. So it looks like the main protagonist is some white guy and he's trying to, get payback well, they, i'm watching the trailer and it makes no sense they, they had a so they have like a crew and the crew got betrayed or backstabbed and now they have to they have to rebuild their crew and rebuild their cars and and Ugh. like apparently there's an a, a evil syndicate called the house of course there right is. so it's the house always wins as opposed <laughs> oh, to casinos I, i'm trying not to be too cynical with this because it most likely will be fun to play like they make good racing games as far as fast and like interesting sp- speedy crash and whatever like the adrenaline rush of the fast racing cop chases that sort of stuff's all there but it just i feel like they're not even trying anymore <laughs> it's like before it was kind of tongue-in-cheek ooh, can like fast and the furious and now it's like blatant yeah I, I mean i guess it was about time that need for speed fell into the same trap that all the other ea games fall into which is at one point they were innovators and now sure. they're just copycats like mm-hmm. there used to be a time when need for speed set the bar for what a racing game should be and now it's just trying to play i don't know it's trying to imitate whatever is hot in the market which happens to be fast and the furious which i also don't understand i'm not going to go on a Aww. how much i hate the later fast and the furious tangents because well, i actually like the earlier movies that's what's kind of frustrating about it like i actually really like the first fast and the furious and the, actually also i'll even say this this is going to get much gruff from anybody who likes <laughs> movies here i actually like the first three so Fast and Furious 1 and 2 and then the Tokyo Drift one, I actually thought that was fine. I have no problem with that movie, even though the acting is just awful. I'm going to just say that I don't think I've ever actually watched any of them. I've just had no interest. I don't like I like 1970s era muscle cars and that's about it. I drive a Toyota. It's so cars not aren't your ex- thing. Cars aren't saying. my thing and they've never been my thing. I have an appreciation for very nice looking cars but i don't drop my panties for them all right cool well that's good speaking <laughs> as your fiance <laughs> um, you know what i mean though it's yeah. like there are some people who like it becomes their entire life and i don't understand that like nothing i love 
I love so much that it becomes all-encompassing. You know what I mean? Like, obsessive, almost. Well, and not that everybody who likes cars is like that, but I I agree with what you're saying. Like, there is a certain, uh, there is a certain, like, intensity that goes along with that scene. And I just, I, I honestly, I just don't see the appeal. I think it's dangerous and it's really stupid. Well, uh, I, I agree with that, actually. Like, there's a certain, like, glamorization that goes along with this sort of behavior. Right. Which I guess movies are doing that anyway. And I guess, to me, a video game, the point of that is to kind of live out your fantasy. So I can realistically drive my car every day. That's why I don't like to play games like Gran Turismo, because it's just realistic driving. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a game like this, I don't plan on ever getting in a shootout or racing against helicopters or running <laughs> from cops not. in my car speaking as your fiance but, but but what is uh but what is funny about that is that it is it is appealing to a subculture of car people that think it's really neat and cool and like they build these kind of street cars and they think oh i could build a race car i could street race at night and you know there's like dave used to go to those car meets all the time they never raced there they just actually get together and kind of hang out <laughs> but it's kind of like it's kind of like that and i i don't know it's it's fine. I actually, I'll admit, I was really into the car customization when I first got down to Green Bay. Uh, when I first moved down here, there was I had some friends that had cars, and like I joined like a car forum where it would tell you, hey, this is the type of like body kit you could put on your sure. car. This is how it would fit. Like I did that sort of thing, and and I definitely like. And I said I like the Fast and the Furious movies. I like a lot of the culture associated with that stuff, but. Again, that's when Need for Speed was kind of innovating that thing. Now they're just taking something that's established like Fast and the Furious and they're just straight up trying to copy it. I, I don't see anything original in this game at all. It's kind of like a mix between Fast and the Furious and the crew. Like a bunch of things that already exist. So I've already spent too much time probably talking about it. It's not for me. It might be for uh, some of our listeners and that's okay. Me personally, I just don't see the appeal. Well, it sucks. I probably will buy it. I probably will try it out. But I Okay. So you don't want to watch me play? Is that was no, that, that face? No, I was have for? absolutely no interest in watching you right. play that. Even even if it had like story elements, it had like no, story trailer. No, right. don't care. Don't Fair care enough. about those people. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. New for, New Need for Speed game. They took a year off last year because they felt like they were just doing yearly versions, and it was losing. There, there's such thing as series fatigue. People were getting fatigued on the series. Mm-hmm. They needed to like give it a break. They gave it a break. Gave the developer a ghost like two years to make a game as opposed to one. And um, this is what they came up with apparently when they had all that extra time. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I, I have to say about watched, Speed. Apparently just watched a lot of movie movies. Yeah, they were like, you know, I mean, I guarantee it's just, people were sitting in a boardroom and they said, wow, Fast and the Furious is at an all-time high. There's a new Fast and the Furious movie that's coming out or that came out. I don't even know because I don't care. And boom, let's make a game based around like, it'll be just like Fast and the Furious. And it's well, not like they haven't tried this before. There is a Need for Speed game called The Run. Which was the same kind of thing. It was like it was like a story based, you know. It's um, you you will know this better than I would. But is the movie that's coming out is that the first one since um, Paul? Yeah, since Paul Walker died, it's the first one without him. Yes, that's because I think that that probably has something to do with the fact that the franchise is probably at a peak. That could be. Since it could be pushing first... it higher. Well, and and The Rock is like the biggest movie star on the planet right now, and he's in it. Vin Diesel's in it, but he, you know, and he does the voice of Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, Which like, I still don't, I still don't hear. Like, I, they must have modulated his voice. I, I think it was almost more of a goof. Like, they just kind of did it just to say that they had Vin Diesel as the voice of him. Oh. You know, because like Bradley Cooper is amazing as Rocket. I, 
and I don't hear Bradley Cooper in his no. voice oh, at I totally all either. Do. Oh, I totally But maybe do. I just I haven't seen a lot of movies with him in it, Bradley Cooper. Sure. So maybe I just don't recognize his voice. It's like if they would have gotten like Sir Patrick Stewart or Sir Ian McKellen to do it, I would recognize their voices. But I just don't know enough of Bradley Cooper's repertoire to really sure. hear his voice in there. I think that might be a testament to him though that he was able to like tweak his voice a little bit so he doesn't sound like his everyday speaking voice like he did come up with a character voice for that good good voice actors are able to do that you know and and some people just have a very very unique voice like uh, nancy cartwright who does the voice of bart simpson yep all does also does the voice of i think uh ralph and nelson okay so if you listen, you can hear her voice because she just does it at a different, in a different register, and you can hear some of the same cadence of, of her regular speaking voice because her regular speaking voice is very much like Bart Simpson. Like right. she just does it a little bit higher. Um, so if you watch any interviews with her, you can hear her well, and, voice. And it's kind of like the guy from. Well, I remember him as Coach McGurk from Home Movies, but he plays Bob on Bob's Burgers. Oh, I love him. His voice is exactly the same, though. He doesn't change his voice doesn't change at it all. At all. Uh, and the same thing with the guy that plays Master Shake on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Okay. Now, he did do Granny in Squidbillies, which was kind of funny because that's very different. He throws his voice for that. But his voice for Master Shake is literally his everyday voice. <laughs> I actually kind of feel bad for him because you can imagine if I, you were like working somewhere, like say a drive-thru, and he comes through and you start to hear Master Shake from Aqua Teen <laughs> ordering from you, I would lose my mind. Um, but speaking of Rocket the Raccoon. Yes. So Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is He's coming out. He's not a out. raccoon. Well, right, but that's what his name is. Oh, do they really call him they that? They call him that, yeah. Oh. Uh, so we talked about this a few podcasts ago about how they had a new Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite was coming. Our new Marvel vs. Capcom was coming named Infinite. Yes. And we had been speculating a bit about the roster, and my concern was that it was going to be just basically a movie tie-in. So just the other day, apparently, the same person who leaked that Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite was coming out leaked the roster yeah so there's well it's two lists i don't know why they're split well one list is capcom and one's marvel that's how they split it up oh uh, so. okay so you read capcom okay so capcom first up is arthur he's from ghosts and goblins uh, that's that's cool and i think he's a returning character i'm pretty sure he's in three chris is chris redfield from resident evil chun lee that's from street fighter dante from devil may cry firebrand from well, he was in Gargoyle's Quest, and he was also in Demon's... Oh, my gosh. How am I forgetting this? It's right over... Demon's Crest. And uh, Jetta, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> They're coming up with... Now, check this is. out. Monster Hunter. So, there's a character that's a generic Monster Hunter. So, as someone who loves Monster Hunter like I do, I find this borderline offensive because it's just Monster Hunter. So, what are they going to do? Are they going to have, like him changing what type of weapon you use and I, I don't know the whole thing looks stupid his ultimate will probably be rathalos comes down and blows fire on you or something really stupid i don't know uh jetta doma is a player and final boss character from the dark stalkers fighting game franchise okay cool i don't know i've never really played dark Stalkers. i had to google it is jetta is he is he the vampire looking guy uh let me find out i can click this link and tell you he looks like he's purple he's got sharp wings yeah okay yeah all right. 
He's uh, over 6,000 years old, but he is the youngest out of three high nobles of the Macau. Oh. Macai? That's Mackay. Actually, that's not very interesting. I don't know what that means. So <laughs> that me that literally that sentence means nothing to me. Um, All right. So Monster Hunter. So then we have Morgan, who's another Darkstalkers character. I know that one. Nemesis, who is the big dude from Resident Evil, like the big bad. Ryu from Street Fighter, obviously. Um, Spencer. I don't know who that is either. Uh, Strider is a Capcom character. He's cool. He's from his own game. And then X from... Mega Man, which is interesting because Mega Man's not on the list, but X is. <laughs> so I don't know. Okay, for Marvel we have Ant Man mm-hmm. from the which, eponymous series Ant Man. Now this is essentially what we talked about, right? Like they were going to start having characters that pertained to the movies that were coming out and popular, yes. as opposed to the characters that we all love. But anyway, okay, so Ant Man, Captain America, Captain Marvel. Yep. Doctor Strange, which I'm very excited about. Captain Marvel, by the way, is a female character that they're working on a movie for that too. Oh, are they? Yeah. So, Ooh, so again, like nice. the, the the first four already are all movie characters. But anyway, I mean, let's. Yeah. Well, so is Gamora. <laughs> Gamora, that's Guardians five. We're five ga- for five. Galaxy. Hawkeye. Six for six. Hulk. Seven for seven. Iron Man. Eight for eight. Nova. Now Nova's interesting because Nova is not. So we're, we were eight for nine. At this point. And Nova, he's from like, because remember Guardians of the Galaxy, they had the Nova Corps? Oh, yeah. So Nova is like an agent. Oh. Essentially, like Nova, my understanding of the character, I don't read a lot of it. My understanding is like all agents are called Nova. And he's like the one who's in charge of like the Earth area. So he goes and helps out on Earth and other places like that. So he's like Monster Hunter. So he's like, mon- <laughs> well, kind of, except at least the Nova in the comics here is typically the same Nova oh, it's the same throughout, guy? but <laughs> it's kind of generic. So, okay. So right. anyway, carry so they on. have Rocket slash Groot. So this is how the character was named to the person who wrote the article. So this, the author's not sure if it's Rocket with Groot assistance, or it's actually both characters and they kind of tag team it. Or right, which would be like really that. cool. I well, I think it would, especially if it's Big Groot as opposed to Baby Groot. I'm guessing they're going to do Big Groot. I would assume Big Groot with like Rocket on his shoulder yeah. doing attacks together. I think that would be yeah. a lot more fun to watch. Uh, Spider-Man. Yep. Thanos. Who's the, he's the big bad from... The Avengers they're building up to. He was he was the purple guy in Guardians of the Galaxy one. Oh, they're really doing tie-ins. They're they had this like every time I think of or hear something or think about something in the Marvel universe and about how everything's interconnected and kind of woven in on itself, it really is a testament to how Marvel already thought of all of these things oh yeah it's it's really impressive the uh where the path they started off with iron man and how they started building up to an avengers movie but when they started building to that they actually were building to avengers sequels and where they would take it from there i know yeah and then they did a really good thing with guardians of the galaxy because they introduced thanos Mm -hmm. just enough so you know he's like a man you don't want to mess with but they don't make Mm -hmm. him like the super bad of the movie they just put him in there and then they don't talk about him at all in the second movie no they don't so they've introduced him as a character so we all know he's out there and they're building up to him being just like a brutal villain. So I'm pretty excited about that. And then we've got Thor. Okay, yeah. He's got his, his own movie. Mighty Hammer. Mm-hmm. What's the hammer called? Ragnarok. Thank you. Wait, is it? No, no, no. It's um, Mjolnir. M-J-O-L-R-N-E-R or something like that. Mjolnir. I would have believed you if you would have said anything. Yeah, Ragnarok is not. That's the name of the movie that's coming out. But uh, Mjolnir oh. is like the name of the hammer. Yeah. And then Ultron. Who is the bad guy in the Avengers 2 movie. Oh. So not that there aren't cool characters. I mean, this is actually a pretty good list, but notable exclusions. Wolverine. 
any X-Men characters at all. Any Fantastic Four characters at all. They don't all. have Star-Lord. They don't have Star-Lord, which is very interesting. What now, the heck? now we know Capcom well enough to know there's going to be DLC characters. Oh, so, you think? But, but if you think about it, they have two of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Gamora being one of them is interesting. Because they needed another female. They only have like yeah. two. Well, in Thor though, they could have done because there's a, a run of Thor going on right now. That's a female Thor. Oh, nice. Which is kind of cool. So they could have done that. But I agree. Like uh, you look at this, Captain Marvel's a, a female. So I mean, there's. But you're right. There's you're no right. X Men. At least X Men has a decent female distribution well, of characters. Now here's what's interesting. Now and it might be a, a it might be a, a marketing rights tie-in issue. But Deadpool, after his movie came oh, out, yeah. you'd think they put Deadpool in there because he was in the last game. Yeah. And then, obviously, Logan. You could even do, like, Old Man Logan and have him in there. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. So, again, those properties are owned by Fox, though. So it's very oh. possible that either the Fox owns game rights as well as the movie rights, and they had to license it for extra money, and maybe they're saving. I don't know how that all works, Who actually. Knows? But it's really frustrating. Um, It'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to play, even though I'm terrible at these kind of games. Well, and even looking at the Capcom <laughs> side, for, well, first of all, if you look at this list, it's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, They nine, said 10, there's 11, one 13. missing from the Capcom. There, there's about 20, there's going to be about 27, when it's all said and done, there'll be about 28 characters in the game is what they're, it was what they're saying, like, at launch. Yeah. 28 characters compared to a Marvel vs. Capcom game is kind of light. Like, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 had over 50. Oh, really? So when you look at this list, there's definitely room to squeeze more in. But I even look at that, and Street Fighter has two people from Street Fighter, and there's two people from Darkstalkers. Like, Darkstalkers isn't nearly as popular as Street Fighter. Why is there only two Street Fighter guys? I mean, I'm glad they put in, like, different ones, like Monster Hunter, but I don't know. It seems weird to me. Well, and, like, Resident Evil, look at there's there's two Resident Evil people. This according to this article, it says that they are planning on downloadable content characters at least six that they're aware of yeah which doesn't mean that there's not going to be more but the list that we had 13 capcom 14 marvel we feel like there's probably going to be another capcom which would make it 14 and 14 yeah as you said this article says yeah and there will be dlc for sure this article says that uh, it's more than likely to be frank west yeah, I mean, that, and that's certainly possible. He's a Capcom guy that they have all the rights to. But but what's funny about that is just recently they released Dead Rising 4, not on PS4. So if Microsoft published that, who knows? There might be some weird tie-in rights with that too. You never know like how, how these contracts come out. So so this, again, a little, a little afterward about this is that this is still a rumored list. Right, right. And even though it is the same guy that leaked the actual existence of the game, you always take this sort of stuff with a grain of salt. Although it looks quite accurate. I mean... who Who's telling him this stuff? Well, my guess would be he's actually an internal Capcom guy. Because he's releasing this stuff like on NeoGAF and on Reddit. Because he wants his karma and he wants his points. And he wants to be known as like an industry insider. So he's going to try to leak this stuff, you know, without wouldn't getting in trouble. Th- like, wouldn't you think he, if they found out or traced it... I mean... God, he's probably accessing it through, you know, Reddit at work. So his IP address is probably all over that thing. You'd think so. Uh, I guess if people knew his username, because I know a lot of stuff on NeoGAF is anonymous. And like 4chan, I think you could do this stuff anonymously. Obviously, Reddit, you can't, but you could make a throwaway sure. on Reddit. And hopefully he's smart enough not to be doing but it But if you work, do a but... throwaway, people aren't going to know that it's you. You know what I mean? Like if. Well, if yeah, you have to do the same throwaway. You th- th- yeah. Same throwaway. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting. I hope I hope this there's actually a part of me that hopes this lot roster is incorrect because I'd love to see like a Logan. I don't I mean I don't care much for Deadpool. Like I like the movie, but I think the current 
caricature of him. I'm not a fan of, as I've discussed on here multiple times, but uh, Logan would have been awesome. Like, how do you have a Marvel Capcom game without Wolverine? True. But I mean, do you think that, I mean, even if <laughs> theoretically, I mean, the people who work at these places, like at Capcom and, and everything, they are pretty internet savvy. I would, I would think so. Do you think so. that this guy has gotten sanction to do these sort of posts? Oh, that's to create totally possible what, to create like b- buzz. Yeah, to yeah. buzz about it. It, it. That totally makes sense, especially because if you just release a normal press release, it'll get its normal chains. Mm-hmm. But if you release it this way, you get this kind of subset, this this minor group of people that wants to know everything before everybody else yeah so you create buzz there and then when you still do the official announcement you still get all the people you would have got the first time so yeah you're generating buzz i that's a totally valid thing and i think a lot of companies have been doing that lately because it's been proven to work yes you know leaks aren't necessarily hurtful at all no which might also be why this person's not getting busted something like this where like we said like the fact that we're talking about it and and discussing it and saying, you know, why isn't there any X-Men? You know, you can't have it without Wolverine and, and all of this sort of stuff. I think if the list came out and it had included everybody in this leaked list, plus Wolverine, plus like all the sure. ones that we talked about. Oh, you know, they should really have this one and this one and this one. I don't think people would be mad that the original leaked list wasn't complete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because right now they want people want to know like who are the new people to the scene, not who has already been in those games and we probably don't need to talk about. Right. So we might be surprised if the list that actually comes out as an official release from Capcom is because Capcom makes it right. Mm-hmm. Um, if that list was, you know, twenty five on each side and included ones like deadpool and logan and all that kind of junk right which and maybe they can do that like maybe if it's dlc they can work out a deal with fox and say look we'll pay you 10 percent of the dlc price instead of 10 percent of like the overall game profits or whatever the deal they work out sure you know then that way they can kind of say and they could put them as a two-pack like you know the the movie pack or something like that well speaking of downloading things ooh, nice ah, steam or valve technically the company that makes steam yeah i don't think they, they don't really make steam they, i guess they, like, they you would say they host steam, they host steam, the steam, online platform for I always get confused because i games. i know it's valve and i know it's steam and i use them interchangeably and i shouldn't because steam is, is a platform yeah. platform for valve regardless <laughs> valve announced their publishing fees for games on steam via um Steam Direct is what it, they're calling it now. They're getting rid right. of Greenlight. Greenlight was the process where you basically would submit your game to them. You'd and the community would essentially vote on if that game should get out of Greenlight and get into the store. Which has its own host of different problems. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a good side and a bad side to it. It would it would I think keep a lot of the junk out. But then you also have companies that can just pay people in the community to give them good scores right. and to upvote it. So who cares? And like they would do things like like, hey, if you upvote our game on Greenlight, we'll give you 10% off. Like, that that was literally a thing companies were doing for a while. So, anyway, so it had its own problems. Yeah. Right. But they're getting rid of that, and they're replacing it with something called Steam Direct. And we had actually talked about this in a previous episode about, you know, how much are they thinking about charging? You know, if they charge $1,000, that really 
you know, cuts at the at the knees of some independent developers who just want to get their game published and don't have any capital or any money in reserves to publish a game with a thousand dollar fee mm-hmm. so the wait is over it'll be a hundred bucks yeah we, we talked about the story a few months ago and we, we they were saying upwards of it could be up to a thousand to two thousand yeah, dollars and five thousand dollars ridiculous and so they announced that it will be one hundred dollars yay and apparently they were leaning originally towards five hundred but then when the community kind of spoke up about what they thought, they actually took the fee down to $100. And Steam claims that that fee for them will be recoupable if a game makes $1,000. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I mean, I think that's, you know, pretty cool. Uh, they And they said they also want to add more human thinking into the algorithm, which just is kind of their way of saying we're not just going to have a system putting stuff up and taking stuff down. Like they, like kind of like the Google or the YouTube strike system and the review system it's gonna be more humanized here Mm. which is one step closer to computers being our overlords (laughs) fyi now obviously this system i feel like they replaced a system with some good and some bad for another system that has some good and some bad i think with any sort of uh, outside of having a person or group of people reviewing every single game I mean, that's a bottleneck that you can't get around unless you start to hire hundreds of people because who knows how many submissions they get in a month. Yeah. Now, now Valve is a big enough company where they could do that because Apple sort of does something similar to that. Like they review all the apps that they get too. Like when you put an, an app on the iTunes or on the on the iPhone shop or whatever, uh, when you put one on the App Store – like it takes five to eight days for that to go live. So there is mm-hmm. somebody looking at all submissions at some extent. Well, and you know, I think that Amazon has a mantra. The The owner or CEO or whatever you want to call him of Amazon created this company-wide, I don't want to say it's a slogan, but it's like their mission or vision or okay. what they value or whatever. But... um the best service is no service meaning the fact that i never have to contact amazon is a win to amazon because everything works as it's supposed to i only have to talk to them if something isn't working isn't going right or i have something that can't be resolved on my own so they put conflict troubleshooting all of that on their website so that i never have to call you unless i am at a complete loss so you're more of a fan of the automation system then i'm a fan of making the system smart enough to know should i allow this should i not allow this and then if there is a company that says well i don't understand why my submission got denied now i can talk to a person yeah that's actually exactly what i was going to say like i love a smooth streamlined automation process Mm -hmm. but the process i don't even know what you would call that but the process the second stage needs to be handled by humans yes because there needs to be someone who can actually look at it and say okay i see what you're trying to say Mm -hmm. i'm an agent let's do this you know as opposed to another comp another computer saying well Mm. what we caught the first time caught us a second time so right and then then you're stuck in an infinite loop and you can't get out and you can't resolve the issue that's the thing that really bothers me when something that you submit gets denied and it won't tell you why 
one of my biggest pet peeves is that if I'm filling out a form on a website and I click the bottom, you know, submit button and it just takes me right back up to the top, but I see no error flagging, no red outlines, no error message. I like it drives me up a wall because I don't know how to fix the issue myself. So now I'm completely stuck and I go back down and I click submit and it takes me right back up to the top and doesn't tell me anything. How, how can anyone be expected to know what's going on if you don't tell them? Right. Well, my, my bigger concern that also like with a lower price, I worried that there's going to be more shovelware too. So now anybody who has a hundred bucks could just throw their game on steam. Now, Valve claims that they're going to be looking into all of the submissions more closely now so that they don't just have a bunch of ton of crap on their service. Sure. Because one issue also, not necessarily that a game is crap, but one issue that the uh, that the App Store has that I feel like Steam also sort of has right now is there's a really bad sense of over stimulation. There's too many products mm-hmm. almost on Steam. Like when I was on Steam the other day, I didn't even know they did this. They have like a new release list. I'm like, oh, cool. There's like 10 new games that came out this week. No, there's 10 new games in my feed. Ah. These are games that they think I would like based off of my preferences. So there could have been 100 new games released right. that day and I only got to see 10 of them. So this does, I do, I'm concerned with the price because now anybody with 100 bucks can throw it on there. But on the flip side of that, say it was 1000 what if the one guy working in his base in his parents' basement who's been cranking on this game for five years has no money, dedicate all his time to it, doesn't have a thousand bucks? He can't put his game on Steam? It might be one of the best games that we never get to play then. Well, what makes the what makes the shovelware any different from something like Greenlight where they just get a bunch of people to upvote it by promising them Right. Well, technically if if a it, I mean, you're right. Like it would probably cost a lot more than a hundred dollars though to get a community to to greenlight your game. So it would just cost these companies more money to get their crappy game on Steam. Than well, it, does it now. depends on what you promise them. If you say if you upvote that, I mean, I don't really yeah, know how Greenlight right. worked, but if I say if you upvote this and get us into the marketplace, I'll give you ten percent off when you buy the game. Hmm. Yeah, well, you're right, and then that really doesn't cost them any money. No. So I I don't know. I'm torn on the issue. I mean, I'm glad it's cheap, and I hope that they just do what they say they're going to do, and they're going to filter through the garbage and make sure that we're only getting like games that are actually games and i'm not even saying good games i want bad games to be on steam i think that's (laughs) kind of funny because bad and good games are subjective to the player so i just want i just want valve looking out for broken games or games Mm -hmm. that aren't completed that people are just maybe what if because imagine this right so you say a company puts they've only got 10 percent of a game it's enough to get started and there's nothing else in the game they put that up there they charge 10 bucks for it people buy it and go wait a minute this isn't the full game right and then those people get a bunch of money the first couple weeks and they skip town or something well also something to keep in mind too is they've they've got to take a look at you look at how many games how many um how many downloads of the game are there and how many bad reviews are there because what what valve needs to do is really take a lot of stock of people's opinions of those games and say, okay, buddy, you have a hundred, you have a hundred downloads, and seventy-five percent of those hundred downloads, those verified purchases, or however they quantify that, are one star. Like, what are they gonna do about that? Like, that to me seems like it should be flagged that something's wrong with it. It needs to be looked into. Maybe it's a, it, it requires 
an audit almost where if they see that the number of negative reviews is the majority of reviews that somebody at Valve will look at the game, download it, play it, see what's going on. And then if they realize, oh, this thing is broken or this is only half of a game, it's not even done. We need to flag this as being needing removal. See, and I'm okay with that. I just don't want them to go in there and like, because if a game has a bunch of negative reviews because people think it's stupid, I don't want them to take it off for that reason. I think bad games have a place on the shelf just like any other good game obviously not as much shelf space like for a retailer perspective you don't want to have bad games taking up space of good games but i think they're a necessary evil in the market i mean there's a lot of bad games out there that are still fun to people like i might find a bad game enjoyable not necessarily a broken game like you were saying right like a broken game i agree like or maybe it'd have to be reestablished as an early access game well, maybe it's the type but, of review. You know what I mean? I like maybe it's to... not like, oh, this game sucks because it's really hard. Well, right. Exactly. Because there's game reviewers that I don't agree with because they'll say something like, well, I don't know. I played this game and I thought it was bad. Like the we, we saw the thing for Friday the 13th earlier where straight up they said that the game is bad. I played the game for, I don't know, probably 10 hours already. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And not that it's not without issues. It has lots of issues. But I think it's pretty fun. So well, I, I just I just don't want someone subjectively looking at a game and saying, well, we're not putting this on the store because I didn't like it. Well, maybe that maybe it it goes back to the kind of rating that you do, like um, a website that well, a company that I love is is Lush, which is a all natural cosmetics and bath like soaps and oh, shampoos. I, and oh, stuff. I remember the smells. Oh, yes. I took him to one the one store in what was that Minneapolis. Minneapolis. I love it. And the the issue with something like soaps and body washes and shampoos is that it's a very personal choice when you're buying these things. Because something that smells amazing to one person doesn't necessarily to another. I love the smell of patchouli, but when I use it, I smell like a hippie, which is fine and I don't care because I love the smell of patchouli. But on their system or on their site, when you go to their website and you look at the reviews of products, they actually have about six or seven different things that you can rate on. So let me actually pull it up because I think it's it's a really good way to provide uh, good feedback. So you've got, you know, so I pulled up a a skincare it's a balm it's got you know different oils and beeswax and essential oils and all that kind of junk but then they've got pros cons and best uses so it's it's easy to use it's effective it's a good value it's lightweight it's moisturizing the cons are it's a little greasy it melts easy there's poor texture it's not effective the best uses Women, men, dry skin, daily use, on the go. They've got all of this. You know, 95% of respondents would recommend this to a friend. It's 4.6 out of 5 stars based on 172 reviews. And the most positive, most liked positive review, most liked negative review. And it just goes down the line. Every review has, has a spot. Right, which I think that's the point of a review system is a review system tells you if you would like the game or not right you know and it, it gives you a snapshot of that you know i i just i that was my concerns i just didn't want an agent telling us what games they think are good to deliver to us but tell me more because i don't really download a lot of things through steam 
is it just there you when you make a review or when you post a review on a game is it one rating and it's like one out of five stars it's 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 thumbs up or thumbs down <sighs> but then it's you get to write a full review okay and then it tells you how many hours you've played the game see but nobody review. nobody's gonna read like your you know three page review about how this uh, game is that, that's true but that doesn't mean i mean i actually read a lot of steam reviews what's what is cool is on the game's main page they'll have uh your reviews and they'll say Po- mostly positive mixed or mostly negative mm-hmm. and then they'll say in the last however many days what it's had too so there's a how many last in the days and overall what its reviews and ratings are because sometimes the game will be good and then it'll they'll patch something or fix fix something quote unquote and then it actually ruins it but i just i think that it's kind of like uh, at some workplaces they'll do like a for lack of a better word it, or words it's a personality assessment so you fall in a quadrant of you know your you lean towards the emotional you lean towards the social you lean towards the analytical you lean towards i don't remember what the other one is but they put you they make you like circle words and say oh you know this word best describes me and and they're all very obvious okay leaning one way or another and i just I have trouble with that because it puts people in a box. It says, you know, I know that you're an analytical person, so I'm never going to ask you about, you know, your day or your kids or your family or anything like that. I'm, I'm not even going to deal with your personal life because I know you're an analytical, cut and dry kind of person and give you the facts, give you the facts, give you the facts, which is great in a work environment, but you develop no relationship with that person because you're too concerned with the fact that they want numbers and data and input yeah. and all of that. So and you're saying that you just you don't kind of trust reviews even in that sense because you don't know that that person would like the same thing that you do. Well, because I think we're saying almost literally the same I thing. I think we are. the The problem that I have with most rating systems is that they're too singular. I could not like a game. Because I think that the the actual gameplay is bad. You don't like the same game because you think it's poorly translated. Let's sure. say it was a Japanese game and it was translated poorly. You know, my friend over here doesn't like the game because he isn't a fan of RPGs. We all don't like the game, but we don't like the game for different reasons. Right. So why wouldn't you have a rating system that would be a little bit more broad so you can see, wow, people rated this as really good or very high marks for the storyline, but very low marks well, for the gameplay. That's, that's kind of what you can do in the written part of it. Like people will do like pros and then they'll put yeah, the pros and they'll say cons. But not but everybody cons. does that. Right. Not everybody does that. But I. Th- but again, I think all reviews are subjective anyway. They so, are. But I think that if you allow somebody to put ratings on gameplay text uh controls like all mm-hmm. those heavy hitter things that people either because some people would like, care more about than others right some people will you sure. know applaud this but ne- like i mean i think something that's a negative review you know i would probably read it but not the average person would want to read a thousand reviews even though they're all making really good points so why not roll it up and have almost like a snapshot of saying okay 89 people said that 
this game was easy to play playthrough, but 15 people said that it was unnecessary, like there was a bunch of unnecessary stuff or, or whatever it might be. I just, I feel like there's a better way to rate video games to give you a better understanding of what you're going to get into. Sure. Well, and, and then getting back to the whole thing we were talking about, obviously with, because the reviews, we went off a little bit of a tangent there, but the idea is just that now it's no longer up to those like the people in the community to decide if a game gets greenlit or not. It's just up to the people to pay the hundred bucks and get it on there. Right. Cause it's going to be handled internally. It's not going to a, to a public forum, which I guess is fine because I think sometimes like the community doesn't always know what it wants. I, I hate <laughs> to say it that way. Sometimes like we want to be given something. We don't want to, you know, like we don't want to, we don't want to decide what we like. Sometimes we want to be told what we liked. As silly as that sounds. <laughs> um, now, I'm going to switch this up a little bit on you, Jen. Yeah. Because I said originally we were going to talk about this is our main topic, but I switched up just because I thought it would. The, it, our, it, our, uh, yeah. Yeah. So since we were talking about it. So um, we there was a story on Kotaku about a YouTube video that was sparking debate because it was relabeling vintage cartridges. <sighs> so what he was doing is in his mind. Now, to be fair, this guy's doing it to his own games. He's not doing it to resell. He's, yeah. not doing, he's doing it to his own games. He's essentially restoring them. Like, and he he says it's something similar like restoring a car or restoring an old piece of, of art. Mm-hmm. You could do something to, to colorize it, to bring it better. And so it sparked this big debate on like, is that ethical? Should people be swapping labels? Should people be doing whatever? And I thought that was really interesting. So I want to touch on it because as a collector myself, obviously as someone who owns a game store, I could see something like this being a mammoth headache for resellers. And that's really where I have trouble because when you when you rebuild a car, for example, yes, you might be using the same chassis or the same body or just painting over it, sanding it down, lovingly caring for it and all of that kind of stuff. But people know it's a reproduction because you're not getting original parts. And it's very easy to tell if you know enough about cars to, to know that's not the original fender or whatever it is. But this guy what's he called the 8-bit guy he does these youtube videos and he's going through this video saying oh you know look at this the labels all scratched up and and whatever the problem that i have is not that he's redoing the labels is that he's replicating the labels i would agree with that and i think if you're gonna replace the label there should be a way to tell because on car parts you Mm -hmm. can tell if 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 an item's reproduced or exactly so you there's you should know for a fact now again it's this guy doing it to his own products so who cares and as a reseller myself obviously i worry about things like this like if someone brought in a game with a reprinted label typically that'll lower the value but also not everything's about reselling no but sometimes I mean, it's about your collection you know you know this guy eventually he's gonna he, something's gonna happen he's gonna pass away he's gonna die like whatever something is gonna happen and somebody's gonna resell these games yep now here's the other question i would i would pose that wasn't really in this article if he makes the labels as good as the original who cares if it's a reproduction label like like to me because if you look at reproduction labels now they're awful like, I can see them from a mile away. They don't use the same type of paper. Right. They peel off. They start to come up early. Like, they're just, they're, they're made cheaply because people are home making them on, like, their own printers and stuff. Now, this guy actually recommends a certain type of paper, certain type of printer. Like, he actually goes through and finds the best way to make a good label. 
So if it's like that, and it's still a replica, but if it's a replica that's just as good as the original, I actually find no issue with that. I, I really don't. Obviously, from a reseller's perspective, you always want to be honest with people. And you want to say, like, hey, this is a reprinted label, but it looks amazing. I mean, if you look at the game in the picture, he's remaking WrestleMania, which is a $5 NES game. So he probably spent more on the paper and ink and print <laughs> job than he did uh, on the actual game itself. So, again, he's doing it for his own collection. But I look at that and say, okay, is it going to lower the value? There's always going to be somebody who says, and that's the thing about collecting that I find so amazing. Collecting is all about what you personally want to do. Like when I collect things, I collect them mint in the box. Like my NES games, I collect them all brand new, like mint in the box. Not well, brand don't new. Don't you think, I mean, do you, is there is there a chance that any one of those games that you have mint in box are actually replicant labels? I would say no. Only, I mean, once I watch his video, if more people were doing it, he was doing, I would say yes. But the thing is, in the reseller market, people are trying to make as much money as possible. That means when they reprint stuff like that, they're not trying to trick people I don't with know, like this, really nice so, labels. To me, the fact that he is actually reproducing, like if you watch the video, he's creating the labels himself by, you know, downloading a picture of the Acclaim logo, the Nintendo seal a picture of Hulk Hogan ripping open his shirt and the WrestleMania logo. Like he's creating the label himself without just, you know, trying to find a high res copy of that label. But I don't know. It's just, I don't like it when people try to pass off this kind of stuff as being, and I'm not saying that that's what he's doing. He's reproducing the labels himself and it's his own artwork and whatever. But it looks like the original and that i have a problem with there's nothing to indicate that it's a replicant a replicated or reproduced label so would you feel better if say every like label that he reproduced even if it was just for his own personal collection maybe like one bottom corner had like a red square maybe there was like a universal tag that people could put on that you would see like oh it's a red square so it's a reproduced label but it looks really good like Mm -hmm. like almost like a uniform way of tagging the system so all people who'd make replica labels would do something like that like say like the bottom right corner would just be a a two pixel by two pixel red square there's gotta just be something i mean and if you had them side by side you could you might be able to tell because honestly unless somebody keeps a box a game in a box and never ever 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 played it, it like it would it still wouldn't look this good but i just i have a problem with people trying to pass it off as being a true label because what's stopping somebody from getting all the stuff that this guy talks about in his video replacing all of the labels and taking them into your store and you look at them and go wow these look brand new and paying top dollar for them because they're in such good condition but they're really not sure well like speaking from a reseller's perspective when it comes to that i feel very confident that i could sell those still for the same value but i would be i would have to tell people like like if i obviously if i didn't know then i didn't know Mm -hmm. but say i did know i would tell people say hey just you know these are reproduced labels but look how nice these look we didn't take any money off because the label looks just as good as the first one I would say 75% of people to 80% of people are going to say, okay, no problem. But what are you... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, there's only a small subset of people that would look at that like those diehard, must-have original collectors. Most people aren't going to feel that way. But I guess it really comes down to the the question of what 
are you really collecting? Right. And, and that actually goes back to my original point was that the beauty of collecting is we all get to collect how we want to collect. So same with vintage cars. There's actually, okay, so there's people who want vintage cars and they will only put vintage parts on vintage cars. Yes. Now, but what about this? There's also people that will not replace a part on a car with a different car's part because it wasn't that car's original part. Uh, so they'll take uh-huh. their fender that's all, you know, r- corroded and stuff. They'll take it to a body shop, try to get them to patch or fix that fender as much as they can obviously if it's like a fender with rusted through you can't fix that oh well you probably could with bondo but again it's up to that person mm-hmm. there's also people though that take an old car and they completely rewire it so it has a new radio it'll have mm-hmm. gps built into it so like they take an old style mod- a car and they modernize it on the inside with the modern amenities well it's it's kind of like the idea of you know when does something stop being itself meaning you know, here, here, Greg, I have, I have the hatchet that George Washington used to chop down the cherry tree, which is not a true story, by the way. <laughs> but let's just say for a while that it was. I have the original hatchet that George Washington used to chop down the cherry tree. But since that happened, I've replaced the head of the hatchet twice and the handle's not original either. Right. So, so like, what's original? So it's it? not really. <laughs> and that it's a, it's a similar it's a similar conversation of when does something stop being its true self sure sure cuz i can replace the label sure you know it's still technically what's inside the game that matters but what if at some point i replace that gray cartridge and and a new label the shell and the new label like, sure and oh then... but the inside you know oh i got to clean up the sure. wires and junk in there i mean it's like the inside of every cartridge game has guts in it and you can replace those if you really know how. I mean, I I call it Frankensteining and I do it quite often actually. Like if you have a really nice box for a game, like sometimes you get a game in a box and then you get a booklet from another one Uh or you'll get like, like obviously this is a new level of Frankensteining because you're actually fixing labels and cartridges. But I take the backs off of cartridges all the time. Like if it's a rare game and the back half is yellow faded, the back half doesn't have any of the, the front label stuff on it. Mm-hmm. You can take the back label off, put a new back on it and then make that cartridge look brand new again. And I've told people that before too. I'll tell collectors like, just so you know, I swapped the back on this, you know, just so it would look perfect. And they go, okay. Cause there's no yeah. distinguishing feature that meant that says it's for that game. So sure. it doesn't hurt the resale value. Mm-hmm. But again, I could see a collector coming up and being like, well, I want one that's got the original, original. Okay. Not well, my thing, but it's cool if it's yours. And I'll tell you though, like I'm, I, I watched the video of, of this guy doing it and he takes off the label and then he like he takes out all the guts of the cartridge and he cleans the the um what is that part the little metallic part sure sure like the board like with yeah. baking soda and water and he scrubs out the inside of the cartridge so he's doing almost like you said a complete restoration of that cartridge to make it new but i just think you know if it were me that reproduced label looks great, but it should be known that it's not the real label. Yeah, I, I actually, and I agree with that. I 100% agree that they should be tagged. Um, and I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. I thought it was interesting being a reseller myself, but I wanted to share like my point of view is it's it's an interesting debate about restoring an old game, you know, mm-hmm. because I guess it's the same thing because with a car, you can tell, you know, yes. and then you, you brought up an interesting point. You brought up uh, artwork, mm-hmm. like, well, people restore artwork. But apparently the difference with that is, is any restorations done to a piece of art can be completely undone. 
at any time. I don't know how they would do that. <laughs> I don't either. I don't know how that works either. Because they, they're in there with like Q-tips and tiny paintbrushes and they're using like, like I watched a video of a guy who, what's that face? Sorry, I, I'm watching the video and the dude's taking off an NES label. This is how I know most people won't do this because it's damn near impossible to get an NES label off clean. Yeah, he was using a screwdriver. Screw, a screwdriver. It's all scratched up when yeah, he's done. Yeah, this is awful. This is the, like the worst thing I've ever seen. So, yeah, that's why most people wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Like most people won't go through the effort to do that. But well, anyway. What's really, really weird is he's like talking about all the different adhesives you can use. So he uses um, he uses a, the actual label. Uh, like the label maker and then he uses spray adhesive and rubber cement and he was trying to figure out which one would stick the best and the Avery label obviously has the best adhesion mm-hmm. and then the next is the spray adhesive and then the rubber cement because rubber cement you can just pretty much peel right off it right. doesn't it doesn't stick very well to certain to certain materials and in this case it was paper and a plasticky outer shell yeah but i mean like i said this guy does it really well and he's thought a long time about how to do it but it's just i don't know i just i wish that you could somehow indicate yeah. that just, it just was. have a way to know that it was a reproduction label i totally agree most bootlegs are done poorly that's because they're not manufactured here typically they're manufactured like in china so, like, when you get Pokemon games, you see the labels. You can look at a Pokemon bootleg, and I know instantly it's a bootleg. The average person oftentimes doesn't, though, because they don't look at a 1,000 labels a day like I do. Mm-hmm. But you can tell. So, until unless everyone would go through the effort that he does, you're never going to be, quote-unquote, tricked by it. Now, I'm not saying that somebody wouldn't get, like, wouldn't go and take, like, a Mad 98, scrub off the sticker, and then put an Earthbound sticker over it, or try to, and then give it to us. We've actually started testing every expensive game that comes in now because there's so many bootlegs and stuff we have to pop it in make sure it's a legit cartridge it sucks but it's just something you have to do it's part of the business so it is what it is i mean it is like what he's doing is very very putsy and i just like you said like the wrestlemania game it's like five bucks yeah so if you really wanted to take the time to crank those out i mean you'd have to buy all the cartridges anyway to reproduce all the labels yeah and the last thing i'll say about it that i did like that caught my attention though was someone from like a restoration it was he he himself doesn't restore the games but he like you know collects them and keeps them for that purpose he made a really good point which i liked and he said that there's something of a story that goes along with that game yeah so when you have a game say you have a game with someone's name on it in sharpie you have the story that that maybe that was your game and your mom made you write it on there because yeah. you took it to a friend's house and last time you did, you left it there. Like, Cody, you should put yeah. your name on that. Or, or just like on your underwear. Uh, <laughs> or, or sometimes you get a, a game that's kind of, you know, damaged label. Maybe somebody would say something like, oh, well, I had to, you know, this was in the, fl- I was in a flood in New Orleans and this actually got flooded. I was uh-huh. able to get the game clean, but the label got damaged. And again, would I want that? Because that story doesn't mean anything to me. But sure. no, but it means there is a story to go along with it. And I think shows that are popular, like what's the American Pickers and stuff like that, part mm-hmm. of what makes items interesting is a story to go along with that. I do that every day. Oh, a plane just flew overhead and it's really loud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, but I, I hear that with every day and I tell people stories like with the Maximum Carnage Collector's Edition that I got in. That's an awesome story to tell people. I've gotten people excited about listening to the story about how I got two in two days mm-hmm. as and had never seen one in, in six years. And, you know, so there is something to be told about the story or like 
when I got all those really nice NES games in boxes and people were like, where'd you get these? I'm like, well, here's the story. The mm-hmm. guy was from Ohio. He kept all these games mint. And then this guy from Indiana bought it from him. And then he sold them to me. Like there was a story to go along with that. People find that entertaining as well. So there is something to be said about, you know, the, the, what, what would you say that that's the, that's like the, the tale that that cartridge is telling? Oh, sure. I, I mean, it's, it's its story. It's, it's life cycle. Like you said, it's, I have, you know, a PlayStation 2 that has its own story. Yeah. And to me, that's really important. And I'll never, ever resell it because it means that much to me and the people who sold it to me. So. And me. And you. Now, the guy, as I watched the video, he said, you know, could I have gone to eBay and bought another Pitfall game? Sure. Spent $5 doing it. He's like, and it's to the casual observer looks legitimate at least in good condition and good quality but i mean he's using like packing tape yeah i i saw like okay when i originally read the article i didn't watch the video and when i originally read it i was like okay this is these apparently look really good we can worry about counterfeits but yeah he straight up isn't even really making that good of labels no and to be honest it's not dogging on him i mean it's just he's using Avery label making. Well, because you really need, and I, I know the average person doesn't know much about printmaking and everything like that, but, I mean, it's its own process. It's not something that you can just do on your home computer or home printer and expect it to look legitimate because they, meaning companies and video game companies that make these labels, spend a lot of time and energy into making those labels you know that glossy look the fact that they don't bleed when you know they get wet for the most part i would say right right. i mean that's a process in and of itself and the fact that he's using you know run-of-the-mill packing tape and had to use two pieces on i think it was the wrestlemania one yes because yeah. you don't want an overlap, so you have to get that exactly right. Now, I've done a lot of that kind of stuff, not in this way, but I've done free, I do freelance graphic design. So this is like right up my alley. So if you turned to me and said, Jen, I want to do this, I want to replace all these really crappy labels, I'd be like, yes. You, you could do it. Yeah, I like could you have do the, it. You have the ability to do it, yeah. But the... The next question is an ethical question. Do I really want to? Because mm-hmm. it takes away from that that story of the cartridge itself. Yeah. And, you know, I just wish people would have more respect for their games in general. Oh, yes. Because to me, it's like all you have to do is keep them in a drawer for them not to get harmed. Right. That's all right. you have to do. It's, so it's, it's I don't very, understand. It's very sad to me sometimes <laughs> when I think about the games that... Uh... That, that I've seen come through the store that look like they've just been destroyed. And, you're like, and some of these games it. are expensive games that, you know, I'm but, but again, yeah. I mean, know. I get, you know, your mom making you put your name on it in Sharpie, put on the back or whatever like that. And my brother even wrote directly on the label of his Legends Ugh. of Zelda gold cartridge <laughs> when he got it in December of 1989. <laughs> 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 but it's, it goes along with the story. I mean, but I just don't, I just don't get how people can treat their treat their belongings which with such disrespect. And maybe it goes back to, you know, how you were raised if you had sure. a ton of money and you got whatever you wanted, you learned that treating your stuff like crap didn't matter cuz you could just get another one. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, well, you broke it. That sucks. <laughs> 
too bad, so sad. Like, I'm not buying you another one. Like, that was the mentality of, of, like, our house growing up where it was, if you broke it, well, you should have been more careful. Well, here's here's a thought. Here's an interesting (laughs) thought. If half of those didn't get destroyed, like, if everyone took care of their stuff, would it be worth nearly what it's worth nowadays? Because there'd be so many other good copies out and around. Well, I don't know. Not that everything's about reselling. You know, I'm a reseller, so I always say have that angle. But I'm also a collector. And and so I, I appreciate a lot of these things as they pertain to collecting not necessarily reselling and i'm not a collector of video games or anything like that i appreciate video games i like playing them and i have a respect for how long they've been around now and still are just as attractive i mean especially something like the atari 2600 people are getting into again i mean i have hundreds of vinyl records which are kind of that i don't collect them i i get them but i don't <laughs> i don't like go to you know rummage sales every weekend you don't like to buy find... everyone you can get right and then trade with people for ones you don't have and like, you don't hoard them no right Which... i mean i have a lot of them and i should probably go through a lot of them <laughs> but you know for some reason i have yeah. two copies of uh fleetwood mac rumors and i hate fleetwood mac <laughs> i don't know how i got hate them so much you have two they hate him so much I have too, just so that nobody else could listen to him. So now transitioning out of that into our final main story of the day. So we're talking about Nintendo. Yes. Now we have more Switch stuff to talk about today. Uh-huh. And of course it's good and bad, or as I like to say, that's Nintendo. Because nothing ever <laughs> comes <laughs> nothing ever comes all good or all bad. It's just it's always half good, half bad for the most part from Nintendo. It's always so, like, that's great. Yeah. But So they finally announced the Switch's online service is coming out not till 2018. So uh, you can play games online right now, but they're coming out with like a friends list, like a like a fully functional online service similar to PlayStation and Xbox have right now. Right, and right now it's a free limited version of, of an app. Right, so you're playing like this kind of free version. So they've officially announced it's not coming out fully released until next year, which is fine because they're not going to charge us till it officially comes released. So Hooray. that's good. And they've officially announced the price is going to be $20 a year. Which I that's think great. Is, is great. That's outstanding. That's less That's less than half. That's a third of the price of PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live. Now, you can get a one-month subscription, they said, for $4 or a three-month subscription for 8 Right, which is the, the, the month-to-month is almost like triple what yeah, you, it, know, you would it, pay by just doing a year. And, and it's not like – because even with PlayStation Plus at 60 bucks a year – I could see somebody saying, I don't have that all at once. I'd rather pay the $10 a month, even though it's a bad deal. They would rather do $10 a month than $60 for a year. With this, it's $20 for a year. Like, there's no excuse not just to get the whole service. Right. It's like when you think about parents buying it for their kids and stuff, it it makes sense to just spend the $20 now to get it for a year. Yeah. And so I think that's actually very affordable. I think they're actually making a really good move with this it's it's cheaper than any of the accessories you can buy for the switch yeah it's funny because (laughs) i feel like they took us to the woodshed on accessories but now with the online service they're going back i don't care what the reason is i'm just happy that it's cheap and now on which is obviously a good thing so another good thing is that when they first were talking about the uh switch online service a while back they had mentioned that you'll be able to get like access to like one free nintendo game a month to play but then at the end of that month, if you wanted to keep playing it, you could buy it or they were going to take it off the store and mm-hmm. swap in another free one. Well, that has changed. That has changed. So now what they're saying is that there will be an ongoing access to a library of classic games you can take it. That is such a smart move. So they actually listened. 
Oh yes. my God. Nintendo listened to us complaining about something <laughs> and changed it. So it says that they get free versions of classic games with added online features. So I'm assuming that's going to be like a save or Le- something Leaderboards, like that. most likely, stuff like that. Uh, they cited Super Mario Brothers 3, Balloon Fight, Dr. Mario as examples. Could you imagine Dr. Mario with online play? That'd be so cool. I would destroy people. But I mean, I think that that is amazing that they're going to do that. That they're not going to do this kind of freemium almost where you get hey we just loaded dr mario play it and it's like oh this is great well you can buy it now but you you know it's just i like i like that they're going in this direction because as we mentioned in previous episodes that the the library of games that nintendo has is bonkers why wouldn't you allow the people who are subscribing to your online service access to those games. It costs you literally nothing. We've been we've been clamoring for a while. We've been clamoring for a, like a Netflix type service for video yes. games. PlayStation has one called PlayStation Now, but it's only PS3 games, and mm-hmm. I think it's a little high priced. Yeah. Xbox now has their Xbox games like thing, but you have to download those. Yeah. I mean, you get access to them for ten bucks a month. You can download them as you want and play them. But you still have to download them, uh, so you have storage issues. So we're still waiting for this perfect service. The one company that has the library that could decimate everybody uh-huh. would be Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if, if they just did the virtual... Like, I always say this. I've said this before on here, too. The virtual console is the best idea that Nintendo screwed up. I just truly believe that. It's, yeah. It could have been the ultimate thing they ever did. And they instead, when the Wii first came out, they started trickling, like, one game out a week. And yeah, like, and it doing? just doesn't make any sense. It, it's 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 one of the best ideas they've ever screwed up. Now it's not bad by any stretch. It's really cool. You can buy classic games in there. I think they're overpriced, but you know you can buy classic games in there. If they somehow come up with like a monthly service where I could play everything that they have access to, I'm not saying every game because some licenses expire, some game companies are gone. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but any games that they can play, like if you took every game that's on the Virtual Console and I paid ten dollars a month to have access to all the Virtual Console games, I would do that. Mm-hmm. I would do that in a heartbeat. I, I wouldn't even question it. And then, I mean, and, and just have it like a streaming service. You don't, I mean, not that they take very long to download anyway, but that's the sort of like mistake that they made with the virtual console. It it could have been a lot more than it was. Well, and they had, they have an update to say that, yes, they confirmed that the monthly plan has, has been changed to say Nintendo Switch online subscribers will have ongoing access to a library of classic games with added online play. Users can play as many games as they want, as often as they like, as long as they have an active subscription. That's awesome. And it's it's so smart, and I'm so confused as to why they wouldn't have done this earlier. Yep, I, I agree, because Sony kind of set the stage with PlayStation Plus. PlayStation Plus started giving away a few games every month for free, so mm-hmm. if you're a, a Plus member, you get free games. Not the games aren't always great, but sometimes you're like, whoa, that's a $10 game I just got for free. If I get a free $10 game every month, I just got $120 worth of games for my $60 buy-in price, not to mention the online playability, friends list, all that stuff. It was such a good idea that Microsoft stole it and essentially did the exact same thing. Now you have games for gold, where if you're a gold subscriber, they'll give you free games Ah. every month. Usually Microsoft's still kind of playing catch up with what they should offer and and, and stuff like that. But the better part about the Xbox service is that when you get those, they're always yours. Mm-hmm. With PlayStation Plus, if you actually cancel your Plus subscription, you lose access to all those Plus games, which sucks. But anyway, Nintendo 
is got a cheaper price and if they put a bunch of games on there that'll be the best of the three services just hands down you'll have the better software and you'll have better access so i really hope that they look at that and say it's really successful let's do it because you have to wonder if if that's if they don't want to do an idea like that because it would kill an idea like the nes classic because you could buy a switch and pay twenty dollars a month for access to all the games that or you could pay 60 bucks for a device that does that for you too well plugs into the home so that you're talking about the nes classic the classic right well but that only has 30 games true and they never change they, nope. the way they built it you can't upgrade or download games to it but but imagine this what if you sold an nes classic that was like a roku oh right? see why didn't they do that right? nintendo needs to hire me so bad right Dang. so they make an nes classic that's like a roku and you can download games right through it yeah you can you can pay five bucks for a copy of mario 3 five bucks for whatever ah like that's a money printing machine i know just do it and then and then you can still have it built into the switch because it could be like your service it could be like nintendo let's just call it nintendo now or something like that right <gasps> so it's nintendo now why aren't they hiring you i don't, I don't know i need to work there <laughs> but so, no but like you bring up a good point because not only is it marketable to people who play the nes but why not make it like if it is like a roku just make miniature versions of the systems make a tiny super nintendo make yeah. a tiny gamecube i mean it's cute it's tiny so it's portable of a stupid roku player and you know what you could even go ahead i'll even let nintendo be shameless and do what you know what they want to do if you make a nintendo <laughs> one you can only download nintendo games to it you want to oh, do the super nintendo one you yes. gotta buy the super nintendo one. that you know, is so get, go preach go go ahead nintendo <laughs> and just like like go ahead and just pillage our our bungs like you would with something like that i mean that, that, that's an idea that's not consumer friendly it's not consumer friendly at all but right. it is what it is but when you think about it like having a tiny like when i saw the nes classic in person up close what did i say it said it was so cute I was like, oh, you might even have said kawaii said kawaii so cute so tiny and it's adorable but the cord is really short the cord's really short (laughs) (laughs) it's really stupid why wouldn't you do that i mean that is so so smart so what sony's been doing with playstation now is they've started building it into tvs so the playstation now service you can buy a sony tv now that's a little bit different because that's streaming i'm assuming what nintendo's doing is actually downloading the games to your system though Mm. but if it's not if if it was streaming you could have it built into nintendo switch right so you could pay your 20 bucks a month and you, or you could have a Nintendo console that you bought and you pay the games individually. Like this is this is common sense, everyday, normal, where the future is going. Sort of technology stuff. It really stuff. is. And Nintendo is behind the behind the thing. But again, I'm not going off on a tangent on that because this is actually a good thing. They, they changed a policy. Yeah. That's still part of the good. We have yet to get to the bad of this story. Yes. The bad. Okay. Well, the Ugh. good the good part of the bad is that Splatoon Two is coming. Everybody, Splatoon oh, Two right. is a really fun game. So I highly suggest everybody play it. Uh, the first one, I should say, was fun. The second one, I have not played yet. But the first one was fun. Splatoon 2, they've announced a uh, uh, there is a headset that's being made for an it. An official headset. An official headset. With an officially crazy setup. Okay, so I'm looking at the picture <laughs> of this. And here's how it's going to work. You have a headset that has a cord going out. Yep. Then there's a box that looks like a squid. A little squid. Ah, oh, it looks like a blooper. Yeah, actually, it does look like a blooper from it, which which I guess is probably where they got the idea for all that anyway. But anyway, so then there's a little squid. It plugs into the tip, the bulbous tip the top, of the squid. The, it looks like an arrow, quite honestly. Yeah, arrow. I mean, if you wanted to give it a different shape, it looks like an arrow. So your headset plugs into the point of the arrow. Yeah, and then one cord goes out to your switch so that you can run the game audio through your headset. Which makes sense. Okay. 
Then there's another plug that goes to your smartphone because, everybody, you have to have a smartphone app to chat with people in-game in Splatoon 2. <sighs> well, well, I don't understand the point of this at all. No. I knew when they originally said that the they were going to have an app to go through. I, it just it pissed me off then, and it pisses me off now. But here's what's crazy is that the cable, and I don't know which cable they're referring to. I think it's the cable that goes to your phone and the cable that goes to your Switch less than 20 inches long <laughs> it's so it's clearly meant for people that are gonna be on the go yeah right and it's obviously very convenient for people on the go because you have your switch and your phone out and a cord plugged into both and your and your headphones on that's that's totally something but normal for people's traveling right isn't isn't splatoon going to be like an online game yeah that's right so you so probably want to be at home when you play right so you yeah, can go to the internet you need your wireless oh yeah how are you gonna do that exactly <laughs> This whole thing is like just not thought out. It, it isn't. It's so poorly implemented. Now, okay, and all joking aside, I know why they're doing it this way. This is their solution to trying to protect children from predators on the internet. That is flat out what it is. Nintendo has been worried about kids who play their games having issues with people either soliciting. bullying or soliciting or awful stuff. Like they feel like they're trying to protect kids from the awful side of the internet. Yes. I'm actually not, I don't have a problem with that. Like I understand a company trying to do that. But you can't alienate all the other people that want to buy your product and actually play it like a normal human being. Like, that's what frustrates me is Nintendo thinks that we're all a bunch of, like, eight-year-olds who are going to be molested if we go and chat with people on the internet. Right. Like, that's how I feel they treat us. You know, with, with an accessory like this, this is what they're telling us, that they'd rather make us do this bullcrap than allow someone to be called a bad name on the internet because when you have the app and someone's chatting through the app like you can oh you can mute them instantly or you can block them or whatever it's it's easier than ever you can do that through the game too i don't understand like why this has to be so convoluted and confusing and and i don't know it's just irritating well to me. i mean what are you gonna do if if like okay there's there's two pro well there's several problems but the two that i want to talk about number one is the fact that you need to download an app which yep. makes an assumption that if it is a kid playing, they're. I don't know what age kids get phones. I know that oh, five nowadays. I don't, and I don't agree with that. <laughs> I think that you know, playing a hand, playing a handheld video game is one thing. Having a little kid glued to an iPad, an iPhone, a laptop, that kind of stuff, I don't really jive with because little kids shouldn't little little kids shouldn't be inundated with the internet and electronics and i mean you can see that happen every day where a little kid is reading a board book which is like those you know my first books that kind of thing with like ducks and chickens and stuff and yeah. when a little kid touches the board book thinking something's going to happen because they think that it's interactive like that right. to me i have personally a problem with that sort of parenting because it's like i don't know what to do with this kid and i'm not saying that that's why they're giving electronics to kids earlier and earlier it's because it's just the way that the world works everybody's connected right now including little small kids that's not the point i'm trying to make because that's a whole other conversation but nintendo is making an assumption that a young child has access to a phone that has the app right right now, it may be their parents' phone, but you're also making an assumption that that phone is capable of handling this sort of program so that they can download the app. Well, not every phone 
especially like the cheaper models phones or the pay-as-you-go phones, they're not smartphones. So now you're making an assumption that somebody has a smartphone that can download the app and connect to the internet. So you have to have a data plan. And that kid has access to it. Well, what if that's the only cell phone that that family has as mom's cell phone and mom's at work? How are you going to play? Yeah, that's You can't. True. The other issue is iPhone 6 users. No, iPhone 7. Mm, the yeah. one that you have that doesn't have headphone jack. That is true, true. They do give you an adapter that plugs into the bottom, but then you couldn't have your headphones in and charge the device. That That's always been my issue. Or you can buy something else that lets you do that. But that was my issue with the phone at first. And he's like, does that happen a lot? Where like you have your headphones in and you need to charge at the same time? And I'm like, uh, actually, yeah, it does happen to me a lot. <laughs> do you use well, a phone on I'm a like, general? <laughs> I'm like, well, when I'm in my car, I'm using my phone as GPS, my phone to stream music. Uh, that thing will die in about two hours. So right. like if I'm going down to Chicago or something, I need to have it plugged in all the time so my phone doesn't die. And I can't have both plugged in. But here's, here's an interesting thing to think about too. So forget about the kids' side of it and all that annoying stuff. So when the uh, back to the PS3 and the 360 days, when the 360 came out, they gave you a packed-in headset. Every 360 came with a headset. So when you played online, you could chat with people. Uh-huh. Most people, even to this day, on Xbox One and Xbox 360 will chat when they play games. The PS3 did not come with a packed-in headset, and almost nobody on PlayStation 3 talked to each other when they played online because they didn't have a free headset, and so it wasn't they weren't trained to want to be prepared to use a headset for online gaming. Right. So 360 was, PS3 wasn't. You still kind of see that reverberating today. Now, the PS4 came with a headset just like the um, Xbox One did, so it's getting a little bit better, but I see way more people chatting on Xbox than I do chatting on PlayStation. It's almost like it's... A generational thing like they were they were brought up without a headset so now they don't care if they have a headset right mm-hmm. well the problem i have with something like this you're already having a hard enough time trying to get people to get into a piece of hardware and you're you're having a hard enough time trying to get people to do this now they also have to download an app like to get people to 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 do something is difficult to yes. get people to do two things and to jump through hoops is even more difficult like I why know. would they they made the process more hard than it needed to be it's just it makes zero sense on any level why this is like this. I, it, I mean, really, even from the protecting children thing, that doesn't even make sense because they're also assuming that the majority of their customers are young children that can't make smart decisions about their online usage. I just, I, I just, I just have a problem with requiring something that isn't Nintendo branded as part of as a as a mandatory part of your experience well to, to be fair you can use a normal headset and just plug it into your phone but i mean i'm talking but, about like the actual fact that you need a phone a cell phone right. a smart device cell phone like that's that's the thing that i have like even though you download a nintendo based app you're still requiring people to have that type of hardware that isn't even right that isn't even Nintendo based. It would be like buying an NES and requiring somebody to have a, a real guitar. Like why? Mm, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. And, and they, and they even try stuff like that, like with accessories and those accessories never sell well. Well, it's like that, my piano teacher, that thing, sure. like, but that you could buy the Nintendo branded thing, right? The, could, the piano. You, you could buy the bundle or you could just, you just had to have the adapter to plug a piano into it. So as long as you had the adapter piece, you could probably buy that separately back then, actually. I don't know. But but you see where I'm going with this. They offered you the the hardware 
to be successful with that piano teaching right. software. And if you already had a MIDI keyboard, great, you could plug it in and that's yeah. fine. But they're not going out there and selling you some sort of tablet device or smart device because to my my issue is it should be built into the switch. It, yeah, I don't should, I don't the, the DS be. and the 3DS had voice chat capabilities built into the system. Why the switch doesn't makes no sense. Now, I I'm, I'm okay with having to have a headset plugged in. But then allow me to plug in just a normal headset in and do that. I I don't know like why all this other stuff's required. Now, I don't necessarily know that future games won't have that. Like in the future, you might be able to play like Monster Hunter. Maybe there'll be just an option where you can still have in-game chat or something like that might be built into the game, but Nintendo, you know. I just don't get why you're requiring somebody to have a a smartphone app in order to talk to people. Why it isn't built into the Switch is beyond me. It makes zero sense. And there's also only roughly 8 billion other chat programs you can use. So like if I'm going to do that, I'll just download Discord or I'll use Skype. I mean, like if it's going to be better with friends list and inviting friends to chat, it's going to be it's going to work better than that app. I can almost guarantee mm-hmm. that. Cuz Nintendo's not a, you know, they don't that's not their specialty, you know. Right. But you know, so basically what I'm saying is another week, another Nintendo we'll, we'll call it 50-50. Like they just can't ever do everything right. <laughs> Hopefully one day. Although I feel pretty good about the Switch in general. I think the Switch has been a really good system. So I'm not knocking the Switch. I'm I just still... think this idea overall is just mediocre at best. I'm really looking forward to when Mario comes out. When is that supposed to come out? Uh, like November. This could be their holiday drop. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I think that that's going to be the game that I'm going to really enjoy. And please let me play some of it before you play it. Uh, well, it depends because I, it's two months out and I still haven't played Persona because I'm waiting for you to finish that. <laughs> Uh-oh, I just got the death stare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. Uh, that's our show. So thanks, uh, as always, for watching or listening, I should say. I guess watching if you're on YouTube because we have just that solid picture and you watch and listen to us at the same time. You get to see sprites of us. Yeah, the, which Jen created, by the way. I did. Thank you. And uh, they're totally awesome. No. Because she's totally awesome, of course. No. But as always, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Game Trade Greg. That's two G's at the end. I'm at Game Talk Jen, one N at the end. And feel free, as always, <laughs> I always say that, but, but uh, send us any questions or any messages. Please and we'd talk love to, to me on yeah, Twitter. We'd, we'd no love to. Yeah, Jen will actually reply to you. See, we're, we're those celebrities that aren't celebrities. So we'll actually reply to you when you tweet at us as opposed to like when you tweet at Hideo Kojima and he doesn't care and he doesn't care that it's your birthday and he doesn't care that you're in Japan on your birthday. What a jerk. <laughs> All right everybody, that's the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening and you guys have a great day. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.